please. Thank you, Vicki. Thank you all so much. I, um, I have to say that I love coming to women's events because there's just something special about them when I look out and see the faces of women all together. I just feel like the, God shows me the beauty in each face. And it's a treat for me to see that. So thank you for being here so I can see your face. <laughs> and um, before I jump into the talk, I, I wanted to share a little bit about some other women I've been around lately. Um, last week I was given the gift of going to middle school church camp. And I see a lot of you out there that were there too. And I got to spend the week with a lot of wonderful middle schoolers and also some high schoolers who went as leaders. And it was just the best week. And I got to see these young women, including all the other young women. I got to see them worshiping God with all of their bodies. And I got to experience them sharing what God is doing in their life very vulnerably in front of the other girls in our cabin. And I just want to just brag on them tonight because we have so many amazing young women in our church. And it really shows what Jay and Jamie as youth pastors are fostering in the kids in our church. And another quick story is I was at Target a few weeks ago, and I really love Target. <laughs> um, but I had a return to make, and so I was, went in the front door, went right over to where you make the returns, and right there in line was Laura Meyer, who goes to church here, and her little girl, Olive, who's four years old. And they looked so pretty, they were all dressed up, and they told me they were on their way to a bridal shower. And Olive just looked right up at me and very matter-of-factly said, and you'll be there too. And just like she knew that it was the sense that everybody she knows was going to be there and they needed to be there. And so I, I said, no, Olive, you know, I'm not going to be there today. And Laura was explaining that I didn't know the lady who was getting married, but she just could not grasp why I wouldn't be there. And she started to look so sad. And she looked up at me and she said, well, that makes me so sad because I want you to have fun today too. And isn't that just the sweetest thing? And I was driving, I was walking back out to my car and I just thought, what a good word for us tonight as women um, to be encouraged in that, that um, we want all women to have fun today and every day and we want all women to be at the party and we want good for all women. And so I love how women of all ages are speaking to me from the littlest to the oldest. So now as we get into the talk, um, I've been praying about tonight when Vicki asked me and the Lord kept highlighting two specific areas to me. He was highlighting the mundane in our life as women. Um, 
or what can feel really mundane to us as women. And the second area he was highlighting is our bodies. What we think about our bodies, what we believe about our bodies, and how that affects the way we live every day. And I have to be honest that these are areas that I struggle with. Um, As a matter of fact, three or four years ago, I deleted my Facebook account because I would usually come away from being online either feeling really depressed over the fact that I'd been cleaning toilets and folding laundry and cleaning the floors instead of having a fancy job where I got to travel around and do fun things. Or I might be despaired because of how I looked in a pair of jeans compared to another woman in a photo and how she looked in a pair of jeans. Or I might be despaired um, because I felt like I was wasting my time staying at home with my three little guys and teaching them the same things over and over and over and over instead of ministering in the greater church and seeing lots of people come to Jesus. Now, even though this is my first sermon, And my son pointed that out tonight. He said, Mom, no pressure, but everybody's going to hear this online, so it better be good. (laughs) But then they proceeded to pray for me, and it was all in fun. But yes, it is my first sermon, and I've heard preachers say over the years, you know, you got to have a really good one topic, and you want to stick to it and drive the point home. And I would just be talking with the Lord. Well, Lord, you're giving me these two big topics and there could be hundreds of sermons preached on just one of them. And so how am I gonna do this? And he said, no, this is what you're supposed to do. And he said, as we go through the points tonight, that the things we talk about are gonna apply to these areas, but we're not gonna get super specific about them. And I felt like he gave us a word for tonight. He said that he's going to speak specifically to each one of us how we struggle in these areas, how you struggle in these areas. And it was the picture of like a dartboard where you throw the dart and you hit the bullseye and it just hits the target of your heart that you know, oh yes, this is where I struggle with being enough and he speaks directly to you. So the fact is, is that the media and others and Satan and even ourselves say that we should do more and be more. And when our circumstances don't feel very meaningful or they're just flat out boring, it can be hard to see God at work. And when we wish that we looked differently or we looked like the images or the people around us, it's difficult to feel worthwhile. But it's what God says about us and our circumstances that make us enough. And I keep having more and more hope about this because God has been teaching me where I need to trade my thoughts for his thoughts. And so tonight, I want to invite you to really focus with me on thoughts, the ways we think. And that's the heart of what I really want to lean into tonight. Are we thinking about the mundane in our lives the way God thinks about it? 
And are we thinking about our bodies the way that God thinks about our bodies? So would you pray with me? And then we'll look at some scripture together. So Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are here, that you are God with us. And I just ask you to teach us tonight. We're just sitting at your feet, wanting to hear your voice. Speak to each one specifically, I ask, in the name of Jesus. Amen. And there is an outline in the back that you can follow along with and make notes. So if you didn't get one of those, please feel free to get up at any time and grab one so you can make any notes you'd like. So we're going to turn to scripture together and we're going to focus on a really little piece of scripture tonight. It's actually only two verses. And it's in the book of Matthew. And just to set the scene, it's Jesus who's talking. And what he's been up to is that he's been um, wandering around the country and he comes to a lake and all these people flock around him. There's just a huge crowd and they can't hear what he's saying. So what he does is he sees a boat there and he gets in the boat and he pushes out a little in the water and scripture says that he sits down and he begins to teach many things in parables. So all the people are gathered around the shore listening to Jesus. And so he's teaching all these things in parables, which is a common way that Jesus would teach. And a parable is simply a comparison or an illustration in the form of a story. And Jesus would usually take everyday situations or things from nature, and he would make a story out of it to teach a meaning about his kingdom. And so where we pick up here is he's already been teaching quite a bit. He's already taught five parables, and we're picking up on the sixth one, this little one. And this is what he says in Matthew chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls, When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. And I'll just read that again because it is so short. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and he bought it. So this parable has been named the pearl of great price. And Jesus begins this parable like he does most of his parables. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like. And the kingdom of heaven is just another way of saying the kingdom of God. It means the rule and the reign of God where he is king. And so we can know something really, really important right from the start. We know that this story, this parable, is showing us what our lives should look like if God is king, if he has full control. And our main character in the story is a merchant. So what he's in the business of doing is buying and selling pearls. 
And so his job is to find really good deals on these pearls, and then he marks up the price so that he can make a profit. And we see here that he's traveling far and wide in search of fine pearls. He's searching near and far for what is valuable, which I think we're doing the same thing as women. And then one day he finds a pearl that's different from all the others, far more valuable, worth selling everything else of high value in order to get it. All those other pearls had seemed incredibly valuable to the merchant until he saw this one of incomparable worth. And his eyes are open and he sells everything he has just to buy that one pearl, everything. And that's where we come to point number one on your outline. In this parable, the pearl of great price represents Jesus and his truth. And one commentary I read said that the kingdom of God is of such great value that one would be willing to give up all she has in order to gain it. Now, there may be times that God could ask you to sell your possessions or give away money or maybe forfeit a job that's very prominent, but I wonder if most of the time he's really asking for something different. I wonder if what he's really asking us to give up is the right to our thoughts or our way of thinking about things. So how do you think about the mundane? How do you think about your body? Or maybe for you, it's how you think about your role as a daughter or a wife or a mother or what you think about your job. But just like the merchant, we have pearls that we need to sell. They're the pearls of our own thoughts. And what we really need is the one pearl of God's thoughts. And that's where I want to start talking about point number two. And that is that the pearl has great value. It has priceless value incomparable value. Now, there's some statements that we tend to hear a lot in life, and I'm wondering if you've ever heard these. Have you ever heard, well, just be content with where you are in life? Or be comfortable in your own skin? Or be okay with your circumstances? I've heard those a lot, and I've also noticed some things about those statements. Number one, they're really, really hard to do. And number two, I really, really want to do them. I really do. So while it's very hard to be comfortable in my own skin and be content with where I am in life and my circumstances, I long to be comfortable with how I look and how God made me and I long to be content with where God has me in life. And it's important to know that these longings are very biblical because when we look at the very first people that God created, who are Adam and Eve, we see that they originally were content. God created Adam and Eve and they lived in the Garden of Eden. 
And they worked the garden and they took care of it and they ate the fruit from the trees in the garden. Um, And there was only one tree that God told them they were to not eat from and they were content with that too. Genesis 2.25 even says, the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. They were content with their circumstances and content with their bodies. But then here comes Satan and he comes in the form of a serpent and we read what happens in Genesis. And it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, Well, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, And also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who is with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And we see here that it was Satan who came in and started messing with the way Eve thought. He got in her thoughts and he got in her head and all of her contentment in God was gone. And I'm wondering, did you happen to notice the question that the serpent asks Eve all the way back in verse one? This is what he said. He said, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say So how does Satan say that to you? Does he ever say, did God really say that he values that you're patiently staying in your job because he has you there in this season even though you'd rather be somewhere else? Does the enemy ever say, did God really say that he wants you to live in balance with food and not starve yourself? Does the evil one ever come up and whisper to you, did God really say that you don't need to look a certain way and you don't have to have your accomplishments stack up for him to love you? And has Satan ever said, did God really say it eternally matters and bears such significance that you're staying home with your kids and you're showing them the ways of Jesus? I think I've heard the enemy speak all those things and more to me at some point in my life, just like he spoke to Eve all those many, many years ago. There's an author named Shauna Nequist, and she talks about how we're drawn to the hurry and the sparkle in life. In our humanness, we'd rather have the hurry instead of the mundane, And we'd love to have sparkle and look just so when it comes to our bodies. 
Now, I may not support everything that she says or writes, but I think this quote speaks great truth to us as women. And here's what she says. So much of the most transformative inner work I've done in the last few years has been about leaving behind the hurry and the sparkle. Worth it, 1,000%. But costly, especially for women, who are we if we're not spinning and sparkling? We are simply ourselves, still and grounded and unadorned, powerful and free, It's scary, but it's so worth it. As followers of Jesus, who we are in Christ is more than enough. We're powerful and we're free. And we hear that a lot, but it's true. It's true. And I want to read some of the thoughts that God has, his thoughts that he has toward you. And we find those in his word In Romans 8, 28, he tells us, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In Psalm 46, 10, be still and know that I am God. Genesis 1, 26 and 31 Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Then God looked over all he had made and he saw that it was very good. And 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And I so love Isaiah 54, 10. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. This is what God says about you. He sees you in the mundane and is working it for your good. He values the mundane. When I was at Target running those errands, I didn't want to be doing that. It felt very boring. And lo and behold, I walk in and God starts to talk to me through a little four-year-old girl named Olive. He's in the slow and he's in the stillness. You are made in his image and the way you look is good. And he values your character so much. His love for you can never be shaken. This is the pearl of great price. This is our pearl. So in the parable of the pearl of great price, Jesus said that once the merchant had found the pearl of great value, he knew he had to sell everything in order to purchase it. And we're in that same position. There's gonna be things we have to sell because many times our thoughts don't match the thoughts of Jesus. And that's where we go to point number three on our outline. We must go away and sell everything. So I've been in the process of selling everything probably my whole life. And I know it's a continual one. 
And these issues have been something I've always dealt with. I, I can deal with um, body issues, about how I think about myself, the way I look, the way I want to look. And the Lord's done a work in me over the years, for sure. And it would ebb and flow, and he'd come in and draw me closer to him and his thoughts. And I thought I was in a pretty good place until about eight years ago. And he showed me that I needed to go deeper, that were, there were more of my thoughts I needed to exchange for his thoughts about me. So about this time, eight years ago, I gave birth to our third son. We have three boys. And um, my pregnancy was great. It was healthy. And I gave birth to Asher. He was great and he was healthy. And then about 30 minutes after he was born, within that time, something went really wrong. Uh, my body just started to crash. Uh, the last thing I really remember is that I felt really sick and then I blacked out. And so what proceeded to happen is that my pulse went down to pretty much zero and the doctors were frantically trying to work on me and figure out what was wrong. They ended up atropining my heart, which means they gave it a big shot and shocked me back. Thankfully, I came back. Um, but something was really wrong, and they were working for hours to try to figure it out. Nobody could figure it out. Eventually, what we learned is that when I gave birth to Asher, um, my uterus tore and hemorrhaged, and so I was basically bleeding out all throughout my body. And um, the doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong. Um, it did stop, however. I know God stopped the bleeding. I know he saved my life because they didn't find it in time. So I recovered well from that. It was a kind of a slow recovery, but I was fine and I was healthy and I was back to normal life, um, raising my three boys. And um, a little less than a year later, I started having health complications. Because what we didn't know at the time is that when that happened, when I gave birth to Asher, that a lot of the cells from inside my uterus came out and just flowed all throughout my body. And what they had done is they had attached to my lung and my diaphragm. So I started having a lot of monthly pain. Um, every month my right lung would collapse and the doctors were pretty puzzled. And we learned that this is a very rare thing that happens in women. But every month with my cycle, those cells that had come up here and planted, they were also bleeding as well. So causing a lot of pain and trauma, um, collapsed lungs. So what they knew they had to do is, first of all, I had to get lung surgeries, a couple of those to repair everything. Um, but they also knew that they had to stop my body from producing estrogen because that's what was feeding all those cells. 
and they couldn't remove them all because they were microscopic, some of them. And so what they did is they started giving me regular shots to force me into menopause. So right off the bat, I'm having all those lovely symptoms, which probably some of you have gone through. And I was a cranky mess. <laughs> and I couldn't sleep. I had night sweats. I had the hot flashes. I, I, I was just a mess. That's all you can say. And um, so eventually, once I recovered from the lung surgeries, they performed a complete hysterectomy. And then I was really in the menopause. Really. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And this went on for about a year to two years of trying to get me regulated. And my husband and my boys are very patient with me. <laughs> um, but I was not fun to be around. Uh, not only did it just mess with my hormones so much, um, but it also caused some premature aging. And over those couple years, my body would just wasn't doing the things it used to do. And it wasn't responding to the normal ways I would take care of myself. Weight gain and all that kind of stuff. So what this caused to happen in me is I started realizing I am, I'm not putting my, my self-worth and my image, the worth of my image in God. I've just been living out of what I believe I kind of call it the Olivia standard for myself because I had created my own standard of how I thought I should look and how I thought I should be, and it was all out of pride. It was all out of what I wanted, what I thought was beautiful, what I thought was worthwhile. And so God started speaking to me about this, and it just got to be, I'd had enough, and he started to teach me about balance. He started to say, you need to live in balance. You need to live in balance with your time. You need to live in balance with the way you eat. You need to live in balance with your exercise. And it's hard. It's hard to trade your thoughts for God's thoughts. I've experienced that. This was one big experience of that because you don't know what it's going to look like on the other side. And that can be really scary. You don't know. And it takes a lot of trust. And so there were so many years that I was just living out of my own thoughts. And then I realized just how scary it is to let go and follow what he is saying when I'd been following my own thoughts or the thoughts of the world for so long. And that's where I very lovingly want to ask you, very lovingly, because I've had to ask myself this too, what thoughts are you automatically assuming are the right thoughts to have? What do you automatically assume is right just because you've always done it or have done it for so long? 
What thoughts do you need to bring to God and ask him what he thinks? It's scary to sell all the pearls and have just one. But that's the amazing thing with God, that one is more than enough. One pearl is more than enough. And the other amazing thing with God is that he will do all the work. And there's a verse in the book of Isaiah that says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. And here, the word wait means to trust in or look expectantly to. And the verb there, the word renew, is to exchange. So the Hebrew for this verb is used for changes of clothes, which can can symbolize strength and beauty. So isn't that a beautiful picture for us? That when we trust God's thoughts and look expectantly to them, he exchanges our thoughts for his thoughts. And the picture is that he gives us a beautiful change of clothes, like the most beautiful outfit you can imagine that you never want to take off, and you never have to, and you never have to wash it, and it's always clean, (laughs) and there's such strength there. He gives you his thoughts. And I know from experience that it can be a real daily selling of the pearls, Like usually when I get up in the morning and I'm laying in bed, I just have to start praying, God, give me your thoughts today. I know that it's easy for me to turn to my own or to the world's. God, give me your thoughts. Show me what you think today about everything. Living moment by moment by what the Holy Spirit is saying. Even those little decisions, those little decisions that we just do without even thinking of it. And there's so much freedom and joy there. I am still such a work in progress, but I am experiencing more of the freedom and the joy. And God doesn't want to give us his own thoughts because he wants to be controlling and make us robots. He gives us his thoughts because he knows ours will never satisfy And just like Naomi was leading us in, uh, yesterday, today, you're always the same, tomorrow the same. Our thoughts will never be the same. Ours will fluctuate with culture and with what we heard a minute ago. And, but it's not that way with God. His thoughts are always the same for you, always. So to move on to point number four and wrap things up, I'd like to talk about how we discern God's thoughts. And that's number four on your outline, discerning the authentic pearl from all the counterfeits. How do we know what thoughts are from the enemy or ourselves or someone else? And how do we know they're from God? Sometimes God really will be telling us that we need to make some changes in our lives, but how do we know it's him and not all those other thoughts that we need to ignore? 
And there are many ways to discern, but I want to focus on one in particular. I want us to think about the ways the thoughts sound. How do they sound? I've noticed when I'm listening to the thoughts of culture or Satan or myself or others, that those thoughts and voices can be extremely urgent. They can be belittling and harsh and jarring. They tell me I'm insignificant if I don't do something. They tell me to hurry up or find a quick fix because if I don't, I'm gonna miss out. They tell me to work and strive, compare myself to others, be better than others. Are these the words of the kingdom of God? Last week at middle school camp, one of our youth pastors, Jamie, she preached and she did a fantastic job preaching about surrender. And this is what she said that has so stuck with me. She said, when we follow Jesus, it will be life-giving and not life-sucking. Life-giving and not life-sucking. Isn't that so true? Because here are the words of the kingdom of God. They are faith and hope and love. And in a class I was recently taking, we discussed that the way we know that we're moving toward God is if we're moving in faith and hope and love. And I love what St. Ignatius says. We're gonna look at the quote in a minute. Um, He was one of our early church fathers and we get many of the spiritual practices that we practice today from him. Even um, Vicki introduced us to the prayer of examine back during the 40 days of prayer and fasting where we just review our days under... Um, just praying where we see God has been and looking for where God has been. Um, And I love how he describes knowing the thoughts of God. This is what St. Ignatius says. There will be times that God's voice is telling you to change, but it is a different kind of voice. Sometimes it will be a loving, urgent voice if there is a timely and urgent situation. But most of the time, it is a gentle voice much like water dropping on a sponge. So yes, sometimes God will need to speak with urgency, but it will always be in love. But most of the time, his thoughts will be like that picture that Ignatius describes. It will be like a drop of water softly hitting a sponge and gently being absorbed by the sponge. We are the sponge. The gentle, loving thoughts of God always moving us in faith, hope, and love. And what I really love about Jesus and his pearl of great price is that he's all about saving us from hell and making a way for us to be with him forever and ever in heaven. And at the same time, he's all about molding us in his image and giving us his thoughts here on earth. He wants to give us freedom here on earth, not just in heaven. And Jesus teaches another parable in the book of Luke. 
And he's sharing this story about a shepherd because that was a common profession then. So speaking of the shepherd, Jesus says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And this is what Jesus does for us. As the good shepherd, he leaves all the other sheep just to find you and save you and give you eternal life. And once you're a follower of Jesus, this is what he still keeps doing over and over and over. When your thoughts are not the thoughts of God, Jesus leaves all the sheep to find you, to be with you, to put you on his shoulders and teach you the thoughts of God, to teach you the thoughts of the Father. And there's a worship song that's pretty popular right now called Reckless Love. Some of you may have heard it. And it speaks much to this. It's not that God is a reckless God, but it's that he is a God who will do anything to show his love for us. No matter what, he's pursuing us. And I wanted to share some of those words. They're gonna be up on the screen It says, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it and I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And this next part is where I think it really speaks to our thoughts. There's no shadow you won't light up, no mountain you won't climb up, you're coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, no lie you won't tear down, you're coming after me. All the thoughts we've had about the mundane in our bodies or any other thing that's not the thoughts of God are actually those dark shadows that this song speaks of. They're dark shadows in our lives. They're the walls we've put up. They're the lies we've built. And what Jesus does is he searches us out to give us freedom through his thoughts. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we really are able to exchange our thoughts for the thoughts of God. And so now's the time where we're gonna look at just that. I really wanna invite you to stand as we go into ministry time. I believe there are things that God has been speaking all throughout this service and even more that he's gonna speak. And Naomi's gonna come up and lead us in a worship song here in a few minutes. And she's actually gonna lead us in that song, Reckless Love, here at the end. Um, but before she does that, Vicki and Heather are going to come up, and I know Vicki's going to lead us in some prayer time here.
Okay, so for those of you who don't attend here, we always like to just end with some time to invite God in his presence and to just speak to us. So we're just going to take a few minutes, and I'm going to encourage you just to kind of be quiet and just settle your thoughts. And um, I want to encourage you to put your thoughts on God right now. So if you're comfortable, close your eyes and maybe open up your hands just to say you want to receive from him. And trust me, it may feel a little strange, but everyone around you is doing it anyways. It's okay. We do that here. So just step out. Maybe take a leap of faith here. Um, So we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit, and we're going to be just quiet for a few minutes. And we're going to wait on him to speak. And in a few minutes, I know some of you may get a word from God, and I'll invite you to come up and share that. Um, But let's just invite him and, and just quiet ourselves. We say, Holy Spirit, Spirit of the living God, we love you and we invite your presence here. We long to experience you and to hear from you. So just come, Holy Spirit. Just keep your thoughts on him. Presence is here. God, we exalt you. We come with gratitude. We just love you. Just come and move among your your daughters. Just stay engaged. Keep your eyes on him. I really feel like the Lord is releasing faith tonight. He's saying, you can trust me. That God tonight became very real in a new way to some of you. And I feel like the Lord wants to invite you. Those of you who have never been in a relationship with the Lord, he wants to invite you in tonight. So if you've never said yes to Jesus, maybe you heard things tonight you've never heard in your life. Or maybe you've strayed away. The Lord is wooing you back. That reckless love that he's going to do anything and everything to continue to pursue you. And he wants to invite you into that relationship and back to him. So if that's you, I'm just going to say a brief prayer, and you can say it in your heart, you can say it quietly, whatever you want to do, but I invite you, if you are feeling that tug and a little bit of nervousness and your heart's racing and you know God is speaking, I just want you to invite you to say that with me. So God, we just thank you that you are always pursuing us, and Lord, I may not even know what it looks like to be in a relationship with you, but I yearn for that. I yearn for the things that Olivia shared tonight, to know you and to be able to walk with you and trust you. So Lord, I say come. Would you come and just take control of me? Would you come and just be present in my life, in my heart, in all of my world, in my thoughts? I say yes to you tonight, Jesus. I say yes. I want to follow you. I want to learn about you. I want to receive your love tonight.
Just come take control of me. Amen. If you just keep your eyes closed. If you said that prayer tonight, would you just take a moment and just raise your hand to just acknowledge to me that you you said that because I want to pray for you and I will continue praying for you because it doesn't end here and let me tell you, it gets better. So if that was you, if you just want to raise your hand and just acknowledge that. Yeah, just bless you. Okay, you can put your hands down. If you said that, I encourage you to tell someone, whether it's you come forward tonight for prayer or you tell a friend or someone sitting beside you so they can encourage you and pray for you. But let's just continue waiting on the Holy Spirit. I just feel like there's a lot going on in this section here to my, like right in front of me on the right, that you can stay engaged, but the Holy Spirit is really moving there. Um, I just really invite you to just lean in as a way of confirming that what you're feeling, that's God's presence. So we just say, come Holy Spirit, just continue to move on your daughters. Would you just love on them and would you impart whatever it is you're imparting to them, Lord? We bless that in the name of Jesus. We just bless that. Just continue leaning in. Do you have anything, Olivia, you want to share? I just wanted to go back to something I touched on at the beginning, that, that while I was speaking tonight, that God was really going to just like come in with a big oomph of yes, this this is where I struggle. Like that arrow or that dart hitting the dartboard, that you would just know that that's the area you struggle with, that he was pinpointing. And I also felt that um, it might feel a little flip-flopped that we can feel like the mundane only has to be something that's very slow, but There are some of you that it's actually the busy, busy, going, going that has started to feel like the mundane for you, that there's a mundaneness in that. And today, as I was being really quiet, um, the Lord reminded me of about seven years ago when I was at an event much like this, and I just had that same feeling. I just knew I needed to go forward, and I just wanted to encourage you and to do that, when, when that happened seven years ago, he just really released me a lot of a lot of the comparison that I was dealing with. I really know he healed me because I walked out of church that night not experiencing it anymore. Um, so, yeah, come on up. 
Hi, my name's Beth. I, um, as I was listening to Olivia, she was talking about um, dis the discerning, the spirit, like hearing God's voice. And I had this really cool picture of, of somebody drinking a glass of water, except when they drank it, they spat it out everywhere because it was salt water. See, when you look at a glass of water, you can't tell whether it's gonna taste good or whether it's gonna be salty until you actually drink it. And I felt like it was an invitation of, to the, uh, from the Lord to, to all of us to just press in and listen to his voice. And when you drink it in, you'll know if it's fresh water from the Holy Spirit or if it's just a bunch of garbage you need to spit out. It was good. Hi, my name is Carmen, and earlier today, well, she was speaking um, about spending time with the Lord and exchanging and, and whatnot. I saw a picture, and it was women being tied up, and you were wound up, but your heart was for Jesus. You wanted so much to turn things to Jesus, but you, but you felt you, you couldn't do it. And today, God's saying, come to me. I am here. I'm going to take those ropes away from you, from you. I love you and I hear you. I know your heart and I know your mind and I know you love me. So please come to me. I felt like tonight too, these are really good words. I felt like tonight the Lord wants to minister. He was highlighting the brokenhearted. And in the brokenhearted, it was... Um, it was almost like your heart felt like it had been crushed and was just sitting in pieces. And I felt like it was very relational um, with parents, maybe of adult children, but also um, children of elderly, older parents. Um, I think there's some real relational things in this. And I would, what came to mind was the, the verse from Psalm that um, the Lord uh, is, draws near to the brokenhearted and rescues those who are crushed in spirit. And it was like you can almost feel in your heart physical pain from the hurt that you have. And I feel like the Lord really wants to minister to you tonight to just um, to touch that discouragement that you have and release um, just hope into your life and to, to remind you that he is with you, he's close to you, and he is going to walk with you through this. Um, so if that speaks to you, any of these words, um, we're going to be inviting you up. Do you have anything right now? Um, a, just a second and third. <laughs> Um, I had a, just a picture of a spiral as well, but I felt like it was both emotional triggers uh, that spiral us down into places of despair, where we hit rock bottom, where we feel like we're in a pit and we can't get out. That desperation of, I feel trapped. That's exactly what I got to. And I also thought it was physical as well, that sometimes there's a trigger physically that happens and you just trip over it and it takes you out. And it is so discouraging. You feel hopeless. And that was the theme, was like a hopelessness. When I first, we were first worshiping, I was in the back, and I, I was like, Lord, what are, you, what are you doing here tonight? Lord, what do, you, what do you want to say? I just, I get so excited, I know you're here. And I saw this ladder, like he was throwing down this ladder from the ceiling down to the ground. And I'm like, well, what's, what's that? And, and he's like, that's, that's, a, that's a rope of hope that I'm dropping right down into that pit of despair that you have. Whatever you're finding, you're, you're spiraling down into, there's hope. And, and then every single, sp what is that, uh, 
handle or as you start to go up was, was just that, that faith that it took you to just one step at a time. Lord, I'm trusting. I'm trusting that you are providing a way out of this. And so the faith with the hope I just think that's a theme tonight, um, and even what you said relationally. Uh, if, if, that is, if you feel like there are triggers, both physically, maybe relationally, uh, or emotionally, that, just, that cause you to spiral down, even just in your thoughts, um, I just encourage you to come forward for prayer. Hi, I'm Jamie. Um, I had a picture of a woman in an outdoor area, and there was a a big stone wall and you were she was feeling very frantic and stressed and like I, I want to I want to get out of where I am I can't get away from what's coming after me all of the things that are haunting you and but you couldn't take your eyes off the wall. Like, how am I going to scale this wall? It's just too big. I just can't do it. And I saw the Lord behind you saying, I'm holding back the things that are haunting you. So you can take your eyes off that tall wall and look away and see that there's a door. You can just walk right through and I've got you. But it's, take, it's, it's trusting that he's got the hard stuff and that you can look away from it and look to him and he's inviting you in to, to take that step of faith and trust him and say, okay, I can do this because you're showing me how to do it. So. All right. So we get a lot. Um, right now, you're probably overwhelmed. <laughs> I can't remember all of them. Lots of themes going on. It, regardless, you know what touched you. You don't even have to remember what it was. Just come forward. We're going to have uh, Naomi start to play. Um, we'll worship. But we really, this is an invitation from God. And we believe it's nothing significant up here that happens except that you're responding to God. And when we respond to God, he shows up and things happen. So we want to invite you to start coming forward for prayer. Um, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are welcome to come up in here and pray for people. We're all the prayer team. So, Naomi, you can go ahead and start us off. And I just invite you all to come up um, and receive prayer. <laughs> 